Tell us a little bit about what you saw and, and, and being able to relay that message to Cora when you watched Kimbrel pitch and, and kind of help out so he wasn't uh, tipping his pitches. So tipping pitches, we hear about it all the time. People at home understand what tipping pitches is all about. It's amazing. Man. And that's remarkable. Alex, the thing happened. Well, I guess half the thing happened. Manny Machado is a San Diego Padre. And I just want to say, I think like three weeks ago, maybe two weeks ago, whatever, not the most recent episode, but the week before that, I said I think it would be the funniest possible outcome if Machado and Herbert both ended up on the fucking Padres and we could make fun of big market baseball teams for not being able to sign the best players. And we're halfway there. Hello. <laughs> Hello, Bobby. <laughs> it feels like baseball things are happening now. We've been like waiting for this all off season. And frankly, I feel like for all the time that we spent like twiddling our thumbs, we should probably have more content ready for this. Or like, yeah, more of an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or like Manny Machado signs for $300 million. Looks good for both sides. Uh, it, so I mean, it start? is. <laughs> If you came here for the strict baseball analysis, you're in the wrong place. But if you came here for Aubrey Huff tweet analysis, you are in the right place. Our man Aubrey Huff, who's a veteran of the podcast, in the sense that we've read his bad tweets before, he tweeted, Congrats to Manny. My first seven seasons versus Machado. Just incredible, just pulling up from half court from Aubrey Huff right here. Who are you signing? Average Tide. Home runs Machado, 175 to 152. RBIs, me, 545 to 513. OBP, me, 340 to 335. Slugging goes to Machado, 487 to 468. Identical stats. Wish I was 10 years younger. Thought this would be a fun comparison for the MLB fans. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Aubrey Huff, who, if you consult his Fangraphs page, in his second season in the league... I guess his first full season, 111 games, negative 1.0 F4. And Manny Machado's <laughs> second season in the league, 156 games, 5.0 F4. So, you know, I don't know, Aubrey. I just think maybe we should look at more than just the basic hitting stats to determine who's a better player and who earns a $300 million contract. Yeah, take a seat, buddy. I'm sorry about this one. <laughs> um, before we move on from Aubrey Huff, I need to read to you his Twitter bio. I know that we've t- uh, talked about his weirdly like Christian right-wing views before on the podcast. If you don't remember that, just go check out one of our old episodes, something about theories on evolution. I forget what the actual title was because our titles are pretty convoluted. But <laughs> here's Aubrey Huff's Twitter bio. And if you have your MAGA bingo card out, this would be a good time to get a pen. Proud father of two amazing young men, believer, author, blogger, speaker, fitness fanatic, loose cannon, patriot, and two-time World Series champ with the San Francisco Giants! Exclamation point. Hell yes. Tag yourself. I'm fitness fanatic. (laughs) I'm speaker. I regularly speak. <laughs> so true. So true. <laughs> to many people. I, didn't I have met, about many that. people hear me speak on a daily basis. So uh, I'm just happy to not be loose cannon or patriot. 
All right, we're going to move on to more Manny Machado fun takes. But uh, before we do that, I am Bobby Wagner, the fitness fanatic. And I'm Alex Baisley, the speaker and and believer in <laughs> all things Manny Machado. <laughs> and this is Tipping Pitches. Alex, a fun thing that happens in baseball is anytime literally anything happens, the old dudes start tapping away on their typewriters, writing their columns. And in this case, the old dude that really piqued the, our interest the most was none other than our man, Marlins front office shill, Tom Verducci. <laughs> Longtime listeners of the podcast will remember that Tom Verducci is a large fan of Derek Jeter. You wrote a very favorable profile about him being the boss in Miami and about his his plans to turn that franchise around by selling all of its good players, which is an interesting take uh, that not all of us agree with. And Tom Verducci walked in, he had his laptop with him and he put the laptop on the desk and said, Derek Jeter, write all the things you want me to say. And I'm going to come back after you're done. And that was the story. So we've roasted this man before. And if you're interested in that, go back and check that out. But today we're going to be sharing Sports Illustrated story he wrote in the immediate aftermath of Manny Machado signing a $300 million deal with the San Diego Padres. Alex, are you ready? I don't think I am, but we'll proceed anyway. (laughs) Are you ever ready for anything on the internet these days? (laughs) No, but least of all Tom Verducci takes. All right, I'm just going to start from the beginning here. And the beginning meaning that I'm going to start by critiquing Sports Illustrated's website for the millionth time. Can we just get rid of some autoplay stuff? And can I actually be able to see the article? Thanks, at SI now. You should have told Emma last week, honestly. She could have taken it to the head honchos. That would have been spicy. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's discuss the, quote, free agent is broken narrative. And the, quote, one third of the teams are tanking canard. Incredible lead. Let's not, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I want to start all of the podcasts out by just saying, let's discuss, and then I'm going to list the topics that we're going to discuss. Some thoughts. Thread. (laughs) One dash question mark. (laughs) Thread. Thread. Here's my article. Um, Just one day after the Players Association Chief Tony Clark wickedly called out teams for not trying to justify the cost of a ticket, a low-revenue team without a winning team in six years under its current ownership just spent $300 million million on a guy called out as a dirty player and who projects as Ryan Zimmerman with a better glove. Wow. Oh, he projects as Ryan Zimmerman with a better glove. I I guess, but like, isn't that a really good player? I mean, Ryan Zimmerman was a really great hitter when he was in his prime. (laughs) He projects as a great hitter who can also field really well. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, Mike Trout is just Adam Rosales, but an all-time great hitter. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, <laughs> Tom, come on, man. What are you doing? And also, he's like, not only just a great, not only, he doesn't have just a better glove. He has the best glove at third base. Like, maybe that we've, top 10 that we've ever seen in that season that he was like MVP caliber. Uh, they moved him to short, obviously, last season, and he stayed there when he went got traded to the Dodgers, and that's where he said he would prefer to play, but I assume he will probably play a lot of third. 
in San Diego. And in the future, he will project as a third baseman because he's already done it and he'll get older. And that's what people do. I just don't, I don't understand that. That's like, <laughs> I just don't, I don't get it. I don't, I, the, wor- the worst thing about this is like, this isn't even an article about like, about how the Manny Machado signing was bad, but like he just had to slip a dig in there in the first graph, right? Like this is yeah. an article about free agency, but he had to just talk about oh, how like, I guess I, yeah, how, like I he's guess, been called the dirty player. I guess I failed to read the article headline, which is important. Um, Manny Machado's 10-year contract with the Padres proves free agency isn't broken after all. Oh, that's a pretty big leap to make in the headline there, my guy. Yeah. <laughs> Is everybody signing a 10-year, $300 million contract? Like, no. Clearly, one guy, the top free agent signing for a lot of money doesn't prove that all of the mid-level free agents are getting what they deserve either. But, I mean, that should go without saying. But I guess Tom needs to be reminded by his non-existent editors at Sports Illustrated, which will who will let him print whatever the fuck he wants. Um. Okay, next paragraph. By signing Manny Machado, the San Diego Padres have invested $527 million in Will Myers, Eric Hosmer, and Machado, the last two of which have been signed in February. I, I don't know the point of this paragraph, but I'm going to assume that it's meant snarkily, as in y'all thought free agency was broken, but look at the Padres investing $527 million in these three guys who aren't that good. But he's also like kind of using it as like, like he's lumping Machado in with Will Myers and Eric Hosmer as like making quote unquote more money than they're worth is the implication here to me. And also to, to me, it's like, wait, hold on. So I'm supposed to believe that they shouldn't have paid Manny Machado because they made a mistake in paying Eric Hosmer and Will Myers. That's like the definition of the sunk cost fallacy. Like those players are not good anymore. We should just give up on them and look to maybe trade them in the future by signing this guy for 10 years, knowing that we'll have him for his entire prime. Right. Am I wrong in that analysis? I really don't know what he was trying to say here. Honestly, I feel like I thought his point is just like the Padres who are bad have spent a lot of money. Therefore, uh, you're wrong. Free agency isn't broken. Look at, they have spent a lot of money on only these three players in the last two years, which like fails to, it's like stated very vaguely, right? So like, this is money that's going to be paid out over the next decade. Like, like this is not, even these, are not just checks, <laughs> these are not the checks they're writing out like today. There's no, yeah, there's no <laughs> amount of time. They're like, yeah, the Padres owner just brought a sack of cash with $527 million to the field that was towed by a dump truck. Like That's the paint image that he's painting here. Yeah, saying saying they just handed out half a billion dollars uh, backs up your argument of free agency isn't broken a lot more than actually stating what happened. Also, Will Myers, not a free agent. They signed him into an <laughs> extension. So, like, not sure why he's in this at all. But, okay, continue, Tom. Keep going. I, yeah, like, I'll, using... A past mistake to imply that signing Machado might be a mistake is like really weird logic. It just doesn't really track. But I think you're right. I think his point is more that he's trying to say free agency isn't broken. You know, I think that because the next paragraph starts out, free agency isn't broken. <laughs> it's been recalibrated. The speed of the game has made older players less valuable than they have been in a generation. Ten years ago, players 25 and under and players 33 and older started virtually the same number of games. Now, the younger guys start more than twice as many games as the older guys. A huge part of the appeal of Machado, 26, is that the Padres are buying his best years. So here's Tom laying out that younger players 
make up the majority of innings played now without ever stating the fact that that's because younger players don't have to be paid what they're worth because of the weird labor rules that are in the CBA currently. Like, this is just bad journalism, Chief. You don't investigate the fact that younger guys are starting more games. Like, he doesn't even press that at all. He's like, oh, that's just a trend that's happened without ever looking under the surface of that. Yeah. You, like, uh, like you said earlier, like, just because the top tier guys are getting paid doesn't mean that, like, free agency is fine. And we we all had this conversation literally, like, 12 months ago where we were like, oh, is free agency broken? No, because, like, J.D. Martinez is getting paid or whatever. And it's yeah, like, you Darvish. Yeah, you Darvish, whatever. Like Eric stock- Hosmer, for some reason, which is prescient to this <laughs> yeah, right? conversation. <laughs> but like the stars have always gotten paid and they will always get paid. But it's the uh it's the Mike Mustakases who have to sign one year deals over back to back years. He signed a one year deal. This is a guy who's like are in the upper third of third baseman in baseball. And yet here he is uncertain about his future on like a year to year basis. So like to take one data point and say, well, this proves that the entire system is working. It's changing. It's fine. It's like, that's not how this shit works, man. No, it's not how this shit works at all. And also he spends the first half of this piece basically making that argument that like the free agency is not dead, et cetera, et cetera. And then the second half of the piece just turns into a greatest hits of like racist attacks on Machado for almost no reason. <laughs> like, so his he uses like the Padres and their dwindling viewership and the fact that most of the biggest contracts that have been handed out to free agency in the in free agency in the last few years have been handed out by losing teams. Of the seven largest free agent contracts to players who switch teams, five have been handed out by losing teams he says, and Harper is likely likely to make it six out of eight. And that's true. And I guess his argument is that like, this is what we should want. Like we should want smaller losing teams to be handing out bigger contracts to try to become more relevant. In the opening paragraph, we talked about how his argument was that maybe Machado is not as good as $300 million would suggest because he's Ryan Zimmerman with a good glove, which is a strange logic. Okay. All right, let's move on. Next paragraph. Machado... 26, has age on his side and is a proven producer with a fantastic glove at third base. Okay, maybe he's acknowledging how good Machado is. Through his age 25 season, Machado, 282, 335, 487, looks a lot like Zimmerman. Weird that he's like obsessed with the Ryan Zimmerman comparison. At the same age, 288, 355, 484. The Padres are buying consistency from Machado. (laughs) This is where it gets really good. What they are not getting are assurances that this is the guy you want to influence Luis Urias, Francisco Mejia, Austin Hedges, Fernando Tatis Jr., and the rest of the young Padres knocking on the door. What? (laughs) Wait, where did this come from? It's just like walking down the street and I just get clotheslined by a racist clause to end the sentence. Yeah, not only that, then he he goes on to quote three anonymous people from around the game talking about how Machado is a bad influence. Like what kind of journalism is this? He just went and was like, so tell me like, uh, give me a quote on like how you think Manny Machado is going to be bad for the Padres young core. And you know, whoever like Dave Roberts is like, uh, what you want me to do? What? 
And <laughs> he's like, you want me to say that Manny Machado is a bad influence? Like, why? And and Tom Verducci just cut off the beginning and the end of that uh, of that audio bite. And it's like, yeah, it's just like <sighs> Manny Machado is a bad influence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the next paragraph is said one executive: the best player as the best example is the goal. He won't be the best example. First, what does that even mean? Also, what team is that executive on? How would an executive on a team not named the Orioles or the Dodgers have any say in this? Then he goes on to quote one source on the Dodgers, his former team. The players liked him enough. The problem with Manny is that he's easily influenced. He can go in different directions. He's not the guy you want to be the influencer. Well, wait, hold on. If the players liked him enough, why isn't there a quote from the other side, meaning his former teammates? Why don't yeah, you ask or, the people who actually fucking played with him whether yeah. he was a leader or whether they actually liked him in the clubhouse and how they might think that he might influence these young Padres? Don't you think the actual young players on the Dodgers would have more to say about being a young player influenced by Manny Machado than nameless executive who wasn't employed by the Orioles or Dodgers? Yeah, or or like even talk to Machado himself. You know what's not in here? Any word from Manny Machado. Like, you got three anonymous exec- executives to shit all over him. And then you were like, ah, my work here is done. Like, <laughs> journalism 101. Is I won't, <laughs> Jesus. I won't ask Corey Seager, who Machado replaced. And and I won't ask Jock Peterson. I won't ask Yasiel Puig. I won't ask any of these other young, quote-unquote, impressionable Dodgers who apparently need to be fathered by the 26-year-old Machado. Isn't that why they fucking signed Eric Hosmer last year? What is this heck job? Tom Verducci's a joke. Yeah, true. Last time we did a dramatic reading about him, about the Jeter thing, and about how it was like really pro-Marlins, really pro-management, we like shit on him pretty hard, and I like gave him the benefit of the doubt of having a really long career in journalism, and getting to this point, whatever, blah, 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 he'll be more relevant than you and I ever will be. I, like, don't even want to give him that benefit of the doubt anymore. Like, he's just completely lost the reins for me here. Like, yeah. I'm willing to just be like, I, I will at you, Tom Berducci. This is a bullshit piece that you wrote here. Yeah, well, it just, I mean, it does the readers a disservice. Because, like, we have these conversations, right? We ask, uh, we asked Emma, we talked to each other. We're like, like, why do fans side with ownership so much, right? Like, why do fans seem to hate, like, um, the labor of baseball players so much? And it's stuff like this. It's because the media so often, like, the national media sides with ownership and the league itself, like, 95% of the time. And so that's what fans are reading. And so they read stuff like this in in Sports Illustrated, of all places, right? Like, one of the most storied sports publications in the history of this country. And it just it's just drivel, like bootlicking drivel like this. And so, of course, fans are going to side with ownership and be like, well, free agency isn't broken. Players should stop complaining. It's like, this is, uh, you're just, you're doing a real disservice to all of your readers and sullying your own name in the process. Like, I'm never going to actually listen to any take that Tom Verducci ever has again, if I ever would in the first place. No. And he ends the article by saying, it was only last October that Machado ran recklessly into first baseman Jesus Aguilar, didn't hustle, and even took ownership of not hustling. Four months later, he signs the biggest contract in free agent history and does so with a team that hasn't won a playoff game in 13 years. Baseball is beautiful even when it takes four months, not four weeks, for such enrichment. So, 
extremely condescending way to kick your article by just being like, wow, why don't you stupid millennials be a little more patient about signing? As if like, it's a totally normal thing that spring training has started and the two best players haven't signed yet. And also, it's just like not really understanding the crux of the issue. In the best case scenario, Tom Verducci is just like not really realizing the crux of the issue that the players are talking about and is not reading Emma Bachelary's piece because that piece did understand the issue that we're talking about here. I guess the worst case scenario then on the flip side would be he does understand the crux of the issue, which I think is more likely, and he's just intentionally not writing it, which I, I don't know why you would do that. I guess because you you really dislike players that much. You really dislike Manny Machado types that much because they didn't sprint every ground ball out to first base and quote-unquote play the game the right way. But I think a lot of the times when we talk about like playing the game the right way, like you and I fault enforcers and managers and like the team attitude and guys like Trevor Bauer or whatever. But like really we should probably be faulting like average journalist X just as much because anytime that an article like this gets written by someone who's respected enough to be the sideline reporter for MLB network during the world series, like Verducci and Ken Rosenthal, like those are the guys like they interview the managers and players like, before the games during the world series. Like you are, you are one of the two most prominent voices in baseball journalism. And you're writing like a good old fashioned racist takedown of one of the best free agents to ever become a free agent in a long time. Like he's maybe the best young infielder to become a free agent since like Alex Rodriguez, (laughs) who's like maybe the best baseball player of all time. So what the fuck are we doing here? Like what, Use your platform for something that's worthwhile. Don't use your platform to just basically do what billionaires want you to do. Yeah, but like this is, we're reaching like old man yells at cloud levels here because like you mentioned, like he's the sideline reporter for the World Series. So like that's why he's never going to write anything that's super pro labor or anything like that, right? Because like you're a guy, you make millions of dollars a year probably to stand on the side of a baseball field then talk to players and have fun and whatever and like that's great good more power to you for that and so but it means you're not going to do anything to jeopardize your position your relationship with the MLB and we'll talk later on this show about um, sketchy relationships that journalistic outlets have with sports leagues but like no one is holding a gun to your head and forcing you to write such pro ownership takes, right? Like I understand that you're afraid that you're going to lose the access or whatever, but like you're just, you're throwing all of your ethics out the window at this point. Like what's the, what's even the point of doing this? And it ties into kind of some of the stuff that we talked about before we started recording, right, with regards to like Rob Manfred and the comments that he's made in this past week, right, about how he similarly was like, free agency's not broken. Like, it was almost, it's kind of eerie, honestly, because... Verducci says free agency isn't broken. Um, it's been recalibrated. Like the speed of the game has made older players less valuable. Blah, 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 blah. And Rob Manfred's quote. First of all, ba- not true. Wait, before you continue on and give Rob Manfred's quote, that's not why older players are less valuable. The speed of the game. Yeah, is the game is it, going yeah, fast? Because my yeah, man, Rob Manfred seems very concerned that the game is actually going <laughs> too slow. <laughs> what? He just gives no support for that. The speed of what? The game as in like the speed of pitches 
What is his? What is the speed of the game in this context, Tom? I I don't know. You can get away with a lot by being just intentionally vague. Apparently, (laughs) but like you're not supposed to be intentionally vague as a journalist, and he's supposed to be like the cream of the crop of baseball journalists. I'm just saying you're not you're not supposed to do a lot of things as a journalist. But I literally wouldn't have. (laughs) (laughs) I literally wouldn't have let a freshman write this at our college newspaper. I I would have been like. Yo, Chief, be more specific. Yeah, it was like, at least change the wording from the PR email that you got. Like, come on, my guy. <laughs> wow, okay. Rob Manfred's quote. <laughs> well, he just said, like, you know, it's important to remember that the MLB Players Association has always wanted a market-based system, and markets change, particularly the when the institution around those markets change, right? So, like, they're basically making the same argument, that the market has changed, uh, uh, the free agency market has changed over the last couple decades, and players are valued differently. He goes on to talk about how teams analyze players differently. And it's like, that's that's bullshit. I mean, obviously teams analyze players differently, but like... In that they analyze the players that they have to pay more money and they say, nah, I don't want to do yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Because they look, they're like, we can either be required to pay older players a lot of money or we can <laughs> choose to play, pay young players no money. So we'll just do the latter. Like, <laughs> like in theory, the the statistical revolution was supposed to like redistribute money to the players who were deemed to be more valuable, who were getting underpaid. But that didn't yeah. happen because all those players were just young players. So, like, ah. Uh. <laughs> yeah, the MLB really hedged Moneyball, like, yeah. extremely well. Yeah. And I guess nobody really realized they were doing it at the time because nobody really kind of understood Moneyball until, like, Jonah Hill was in the movie, like, for yeah. some reason. Yeah. But, the, the, although, like, uh, the thing is, I'm not expecting Tom Verducci or Tom Verducci at large, the royal Tom Verducci, if you will, the general baseball columnist for, like, the national baseball columnist for Sports Illustrated or the LA Times or the New York Times or any of these, like, legacy publications, Washington Post, these kind of places that have national baseball columnists. Even, like, Newsday has a national baseball columnist. I'm not expecting any of these people to be, like, woke bays i'm not expecting them to be like sean doolittle like here xyz this is the reason that labor has been manipulated for the last forever in baseball i'm not expecting them to be like that i'm just simply expecting them not on the day that everyone is excited about baseball again ostensibly when you're a baseball writer you're supposed to be excited about baseball just like ostensibly when you're a baseball announcer john smoltz you're supposed to be excited about talking about baseball so i'm i'm just expecting on the day that free agency apparently is coming to a crescendo, is culminating in Manny Machado finally getting the contract that literally every executive agrees that he deserves, but most executives just aren't willing to pay it. Like, I would find if you got every executive in MLB drunk and said, Do you think Manny Machado is worth $30 million a year for the 10 years of his prime? Every single one of them would say yes, because he is. There's only like three names or four names ahead of him that have been worth more war and a left side infield position through this, the first however many years of his career that he's through. So everybody thinks he's worth this much money. I just want baseball writers like Tom Verducci, I want them on this day just to let us fucking have it. Just let us fucking have it. Let us be happy about it. You don't need to get on your high horse. You don't need to stand up there on your podium and take down Manny Machado for no reason and be smug about how everyone said free agency was broken and now suddenly you're telling me it's not broken because you have this one example. 
talk about small sample size, right? You want to write about small sample size the rest of the season and make fun of the analytics types. Like, just let us fucking have it this one day. One day, let us be excited about baseball without just being like, told you so, motherfuckers. Like, that's what this column is. It's a told you so, motherfucker, with a little bit of, uh, actually, Manny Machado is uh, lazy thrown in there. Which, like, just, (laughs) that's the part that really hit me with the curveball. He hit me with the hammer on the full count right there. But (laughs) that's like, these are like two, they're running parallel in my mind. Like, it's bad because it's like a smug, I told you guys so. And I'm the baseball writer and I know more than you, which is the like the core of like why I hate baseball writers most of the time is because they're like, uh, actually, I know what's right. And you guys are all young and stupid. And you think numbers are the reason that players are good? LOL. And then there's like the racism, which is running alongside of it, which is also really terrible and obviously worse, which is why I chose to like just completely slash this article and say Tom Bertucci is a fucking hack. But like. The Rob Manfred comments about like negativity in baseball. Like this is negativity in baseball. Like the day that a good player goes to a team, galvanizes a fan base, you have the most prominent writer in baseball doing a takedown of it, doing a takedown of free agency as a whole, being like implying that it's stupid for the Padres to invest this money in this player. How can you think this is bad? If you're Rob Manfred, how can you not see? that Tom Verducci saying that this is a bad signing is bad for your sport. Like, open your fucking eyes. It'd be like Adam Silver being like, "Mm, I don't know if LeBron was worth that to the Lakers. What the fuck are we doing here? Rob Manfred, wake the fuck up, dude. Like, baseball really needs it. It needs you to wake up. (laughs) Go off, King. I'm just so mad about this piece. I spent so long just reading this piece and getting angry about it yesterday because the Machado signing happened and... Everybody had to write about it. So I was just waiting to record Ringer MLB show for like several hours. <laughs> you know what frustrates me? I, I mean, I you, you've already, you've already, know you already know it frustrates me. <laughs> <laughs> but like, ugh, what really grinds my gears <laughs> is when people are like, uh, big contracts, dumb. They're like, <laughs> <laughs> that's like the argument. And they're like, well, Albert Pujols. And it's like, yeah? Oh, so this one player in the last century of baseball is your proof the players don't deserve to make any money anymore. <laughs> that's that's good. This this makes sense. My counter to that? Alex Rodriguez, Barry yeah. Bonds, all players who made lots of money and were also very good. You can't dispute that. Those are the facts. I have two people on my side and you have one. There you go. (laughs) Well, it's also like, I'm sure you could list off like dozens of contracts that turned out to be bad. Like, but I would posit that over half of them, I'd say maybe like three fourths of them were bad at the time. And that's why it was a bad contract. Contracts that become bad contracts at the end. That's the whole fucking point of signing someone. You have to give them the bad end just to get the good end. That's what happens when you, Major League Baseball, have created a labor system that incentivizes underpaying people for the time that they're good and overpaying people for the time that they're bad. MLB literally created this model. They did it. And the Players Union would love if players could become free agents earlier and didn't have to go through seven years of arbitration or whatever the fuck it is now. Like, you don't think the Players Union asked for that? And owners were like, nah. 
I'm confounded how people could not understand how teams created this problem. I think there's like this inherent feeling that like players are, and Emma talked about this last week. I think there's this inherent feeling that players are selfish for not accepting like $5 million a year. You know what I mean? Like, I think, I think like average Joe in Milwaukee, who's a Brewers fan and stood up and applauded Josh Hader. Like, I think that guy is like every baseball player should play baseball for $30 an hour. Because if I had a factory job that was $30 an hour, I'd be making out okay. What what we're not talking about is the fact that if every pay, if every player is making is fine with playing for like five million dollars a year or whatever, whatever is an aff- quote unquote affordable contract for a team, then just like that money is just literally going to just like the thirty wealthiest people in America, and like how is that better? I just understand how the average person and the average Tom Verducci is just fine with being like, see, players should just be fine with what they're making now. Players should just be okay with not being signed or having to wait longer or uh, having to have the first seven years of your contract manipulated. I, I like, I just don't understand that mindset. I just cannot get into that mindset of thinking like, oh, players shouldn't go try to get as much as they're worth in the context of this $5.8 billion entity that is major league baseball TV entity that is major league baseball. Like, the aggregate of the value of every MLB franchise is like, I don't know what, like a hundred billion dollars. <laughs> how like, seriously, how much money, like at least tens of billions of dollars, because there are 30 teams and all of them would fetch multiple hundred million. And some of them like the Yankees would fetch probably multi-billion. So I just think we, we obscure that fact too often. Maybe when we're saying what player X signed for, maybe we should also say, what owner X is worth and the revenue of owner X's team last year, because we just need more context for this. And that's ostensibly what journalists are supposed to be giving is more context for what is really going on here. And the journalists who are doing that best are writing on sites where not a lot of people are seeing it. And the journalists who are doing that worse are Tom Verducci writing for sports illustrated. So I just am very frustrated by that fact. We started off this segment by being like, we hope you didn't come to us for analysis and takes on Manny Machado. And then we spent 45 minutes giving you analysis and takes on Manny Machado. I, I guess more on, more on Tom Verducci. We were mostly analyzing Tom Verducci and picking him apart piece by piece. Yeah. We come alive in the evening. So now that we have uh, scared off all of our listeners by ranting for 45 minutes about Tom Verducci, we can get into the real tipping pitches feels, which is ranting at Trevor Bauer for another 45 minutes. Do you think anyone is still listening? There's got to be like at least four or five people, I think. I feel like I lost my voice during that segment. Yeah, that was good. Well, if you thought you lost your voice during that one, you just wait. (laughs) So, uh, so noted friend of the pod, Trevor Bauer, Trump supporter, online harasser of fans, uh, poor 
drone executor flyer, <laughs> whatever you call that. Mentions reader. Yeah. <laughs> Noted mentions reader. <laughs> Way too online, Trevor Bauer. If you uh, want Trevor Bauer to hear your opinions on Trevor Bauer, literally just tweet it at them. He'll read them all. Yeah. Him and the president, man. Two, one thing they have in common, at least. Yeah, they're um, basically like the two different sides of the same coin. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, so, and uh, and a, a new profile in Sports Illustrated basically just serves to back that up because uh, it's like, you know, a, a few thousand words on how Trevor Bauer just really doesn't give a shit what anybody thinks of him. And he doesn't really care about learning things because he thinks he knows everything. And that's just how he lives his life. And he doesn't care. And if you think he's an asshole, then... Uh, you're wrong because that's how uh, that's how this works. He's just he's just right if he thinks he's right. Um, this profile starts off in fitting fashion with an anecdote about Trevor Bauer electrocuting his brain because that's uh, normal Trevor Bauer things. It has to be I'm, to own the libs. There has yeah. there can be no other reason. <laughs> um, quote anything to expedite the learning curve. Okay, Trevor. Okay. Um, this profile, it's I don't like really... It's like extremely 1950. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, uh, I want to get better at baseball, so I'm going to do some bloodletting. Like, <laughs> yeah, right? Like, that's exactly what it's like. <laughs> like, he's like, I read about this once, and I did some independent thinking about it, and I kind of think it's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I don't really want to read this whole thing. Because it's long and, you know, it's about Trevor Bauer. But there were a couple notable things to come out of this. Uh, and the thing that people, that the most people were talking about on Twitter was uh, Trevor Bauer's rules for dating. Did you, did, <laughs> yeah. you, did you see this, Bobby? I did see this. I, I didn't read this piece, so whatever else you come to me in this profile is news to me. But I could not, unfortunately, avoid this bit of the piece because yeah. it was just being circulated everywhere and Twitter is a fucking cursed website. Yep. Here we go. I'm going to read them off for you. All right. Trevor Bauer's rules when he goes on a first date. One. Which happens so frequently because he's everybody loves a, a, a middle school looking Trump supporter. Yeah, exactly. He's the guy who's like, oh yeah, I have a girlfriend. She just, she goes to a different school. So like, yeah. you can't, you can't ever meet her um, because she goes to another school in uh, another state. But like, she's real, dude. Trust me. He's like extremely cuts his own hair, hasn't started shaving yet. Yeah. <laughs> One, no feelings. As soon as I sense you're developing feelings, I'm going to cut it off because I'm not interested in a relationship and I'm emotionally unavailable. Two. Listens to Drake once. <laughs> Two. No social media posts about me while we're together because private life stays private. Three. Sure. I, don't, I have no feelings either way about that one. Three. I sleep with other people. I'm going to continue <laughs> to sleep with other people. If you're not okay with that, we won't sleep together, and that's perfectly fine. We can just be perfectly po po polite, platonic friends. Wow. <sighs> okay, I have some thoughts about the last one. Yeah, as give I, me your as you might imagine, I have. I bet, I bet you do. <laughs> My thoughts about the last one are, he's like, uh, I'm going to call this preemptively friend-zoning people. Because he knows that he his best case scenario is to get friend zoned, and his worst case scenario is to get blocked on Twitter because he's a harasser. Yeah. So he's like preemptively friend zoning the people who don't want him to sleep with other people, which is like everyone because everyone would kind of just prefer if 
imagining a life where he sleeps with no one. <laughs> I think that's that the safest possible outcome for all people on earth. I feel like this is just his form of overcompensation, you know, where he's like, he, he learned that he was going to have to do uh, an interview. And so his, he had to like come up with ways to make himself seem like really cool. And so he was like, what's really cool in 2019? <laughs> Having lots of sex. I'm going to, I'm going to tell him, I'm going to tell him that I have a ton of sex and that's, and people are going to think I'm, I'm the fucking coolest baseball player ever. I'm like the only guy who like has sex with people. It's going to be so cool, man. And all my friends are going to talk about it. He's like trying to do the MAGA Derek Jeter thing. Like <laughs> Seriously, he's like an online Reddit user who's like never talked with a woman before. And so he's like, one, um, my rules for dating are that I am going to have sex with other women and you're going to be okay with that. Otherwise, we're just going to be friends. Also, wait, <laughs> I think we glossed over the no feelings part too fast. <laughs> and also to wrap up the sex point that this guy, this guy has sex. I feel like he saw a lot of people in his mentions, ironically saying this guy fucks and being like, I actually do fucks. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I'm being rightly celebrated. <laughs> That's exactly what Trevor Bauer talks like. But uh, yeah, I think that your impression of him is pretty perfect. I think you um, should do the rest of the pod in that voice. Yeah, in the, in the Trevor Bauer voice. Why does he? I don't under. Yeah, I don't understand why he gets uh, profiles like this on the national platform. Like, don't you though? Didn't you see that Esquire profile? Of the average male in Trump's <laughs> America, yeah, an American. Sorry, wait, an American boy. Yeah, in the age of, in the era of, sc- what is it? School shootings, yeah, online toxic, bullying, toxic masculinity. Like, blah, blah, yeah. blah. oh, speaking of online bullying, Trevor Bauer has some <laughs> thoughts about that. Oh um, uh, yes, let's in, hear them. Because you, we have referenced that Trevor Bauer is a harasser, which is true. Because there was a. Uh, a, a young woman of his who was basically talking talking to him on Twitter and essentially calling him on his bullshit and being like, Trevor Bauer, like, don't talk to me. You fucking suck. Whatever. All true. And Trevor Bauer was like, quote tweeting her and just mm-hmm. like replying and replying. Like long after she had like exited the conversation, he would just like not le- let up. And so people rightfully like dunked on him for this and called out the Indians for including doing us. this. Yeah, including us. On him for this. Yeah, of course. Um, and so this was brought up in the conversation. And so at first, Trevor Bauer is like, um, it's just because trolling's like a mental chess match for me, which, <laughs> oh my God, I seriously, <laughs> all right, I'm just going to keep moving. I can't even say anything back to that. <laughs> but then, it's like, he's like, he can't get enough satisfaction out of the competition of pitching. So he like plays with drones, accidentally almost slices his finger off. Trolls people as a mental chess match. He's like the modern day MAGA Renaissance man, but he's just like nobody gives a shit about any of the stuff he's doing. Yeah, nobody exactly. cares about your fucking drone, dude. Yeah, nobody cares except for national sports writers, apparently. Um, <laughs> and <so> true. <laughs> Tom Verducci cares about your drone. You're like, oh, this is really nuanced stuff. Really, you like competitive trolling? Uh, that's really interesting. Tell me more about that. Did you compete in that as a child? Did you go to <laughs> tournaments? Um, so the, the writer who we, ha- we haven't even said his name, his name is Ben Ryder, Ben Ryder. 
Ben so Reader? convenient last name. No, I think ben it's Ryder. Ryder? All right. I've heard that name before. I wonder if he... I, I don't know what else he's done. I don't know anything about him, really. I just know that this is a horseshit profile, and we need to stop <laughs> doing this. I've heard his name before. I don't know anything else about him, but I've heard his name, and this article's bad. <laughs> um, so he pressed uh, Bauer, if you can call it that. He, he pressed him a little bit and was like, well, shouldn't you be a role model and not, like, you know, harass your fans online? Because, like, reasonable question. And Bauer goes, ugh, people pull the role model card the way no sorry people pull the role model card but the way i see it i'm a role model because i show people it's okay to stand up for yourself that you can stand up to a bully and i get that a lot of people won't see it that way but that's what it is when someone goes out of their way to tweet me that i'm a piece of shit or whatever that's a bully my guy you have like a hundred thousand followers on twitter this yeah. is not bullying. Let's talk about nope. power dynamics here. <laughs> Jesus yeah. fucking Christ. Trevor Bauer wants to have an intellectual conversation. Trevor, come on tipping pitches. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, our tipping pitches interview with Trevor Bauer would go about as well as that Tucker Carlson interview. <laughs> um, yeah, man, I don't, I don't have a ton else to say. At least Ben Ryder pushed him on that but still ultimately ended up writing this profile. I will say sometimes journalists get assigned pieces and they have to make the most of them. I don't know if that's what happened here or not. I just wanted to point that out. Um, Okay, final thoughts on Trevor Bauer? Anyone? (laughs) Crickets. (laughs) I think my final thought on this is stop writing intrigue profiles of people who are not interesting. There are a million Trevor Bowers in the world. In fact, I think I played middle school baseball with like seven of them. Yeah, honestly. Let's just stop acting like Trevor Bauer is a provocateur because we saw what provocateur has got us in like real life in politics. Like yeah. Trevor Bauer is just Roger Stone, except he can throw harder. Yeah, we're, we're like, we're treating this as a joke. We're like, we're going to broadcast all his speeches. It's fine. He's funny. He's just doing this. And then it's like, oh, he's running the fucking country. Yeah, so exactly. Trevor Bauer 2020 is what we're Fuck. headed for if we keep profiling him. So the listeners don't know that we just took like a half hour break to send tweets back and forth to each other and just do our own dramatic take readings like to each other with no audience listening. Um, but we've <laughs> had a Patreon. really it's for the Patreon supporters. We've had a really fun time with each other uh, over this break, <laughs> over whatever music you just played to intro this segment. Um, but now we're going to get back to our beat of being a, uh, a media criticism podcast because, you know, when we started this up, we were like tipping pitches. We're going to talk media all the time. And so that's what we're doing. Um, wait, so new- no, wait, actually to, to interrupt you really quickly, when we started yeah. this out, we were like tipping pitches. We're going to talk about media sometimes the rest of the time. We're going to talk about shortstops that we think are good. <laughs> <laughs> we are yeah. going to talk about players we like to watch hit home runs. Yeah. I'm glad that a year and a half into this stupid project, we've actually figured out what we want to talk about. And yeah. I am 
it saddens me that it took like Bryce Harper not getting signed to figure that <laughs> yeah, out. <I> know. <laughs> but I'm I'm glad we actually have some sort of focus. That's good. At least we're still having fun with it. Like at least we can still take thirty minute interludes. We're like a we're like a couple that's been married for fifty years, and people look at them in public and they're like, oh, they still love each other. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh my god. I, I All right, tell me about how Yahoo and the Mets are having a sort of weird and kind of unethical agreement. Uh so the New York Post uh came out with a story uh, I guess yesterday that Yahoo is going to launch this season at the end of March what will amount to be like a competitor to the Athletic, I guess, kind of sort of in that fans will pay like, you know, like five bucks a month or something like that to get access to a team-based website that will have all sorts of, like, exclusive access to the team and insider stories. Um, Also, a bunch of, like, perks, like being able to go to batting practice and stuff or, like, being able to go to Q&As or something. Perks in quotes. Yeah, perks in quotes. But basically, they want to, like, be the athletic because they were like, this is apparently working for you, is it? We don't know. No one knows what the athletics numbers look like, but it's okay. Story for another day. Um, but the weird part about this is that Yahoo's going to be paying the Mets for like access to mm-hmm. for all of this stuff. So essentially, and I, I, like I understand that these like relationships exist in like sports journalism, right? Like network deals and all that sort of thing. Like there is always this sort of murky territory, but this is almost just like one-to-one. It's like fans are literally paying the team just to go to batting practice. That's almost what this <laughs> amounts to. Yeah. Uh, it's it's starting out, they're going to start out, I guess, they're going to start out this uh, new business model uh, with the Mets. That's going to be their first site. It's going to be called Queen's Baseball Club. Very innovative name. I I wonder how many writers it took to come up with that. Well, I mean, uh, you do get it, right? Because, like, they're a baseball club, and they're in Queens. I just wanted to make sure you understood it. Wait, like the Queens in New York? Yeah, yeah, yeah the Queens. Like, like the Flushing? Kings. Yes, yeah. Oh. You didn't get that the whole time? <laughs> oh, my God. I had no idea. I thought it was, like, some some, like calling them all like women, you know, like they're all like pansies or something like yes, that. Queens. Because yeah. Yes. Queen. Yeah. God. Fucking uh, kill me. Yeah. So this is, it's going to get like three writers covering the team. And then, you know, like I said, members get the behind the scenes experience, access to batting practices, press conferences, press conferences, weird. Don't know why fans get access to that. Um, and front office Q and A's Bobby, you're a Mets fan. This is, Somewhat in your, in our wheelhouse of stuff that mm-hmm. we might be interested in. Uh, give me your thoughts on this. This is just a sponsored journalism. <laughs> like, my thoughts are that. This is just SponCon, baby. What is this purporting to be other than just, like, a less journalistic SNY.com? <laughs> I don't, like, I guess I don't really understand what it's providing that journalism does doesn't. Like, journalists... If you follow Tim Healy, shout out Tim Healy, Newsday Mets beat reporter. If you follow him on Twitter, he tweets out videos of batting practice and he shares videos from press conferences. And what was the other thing that you mentioned? Front office Q and A's. He interviews members of the front office, like and writes stories about it. 
that's just this is just a journalism. They're not reinventing what we're doing here, other than I guess what their goal is like they're trying to do it more in a like a direct to consumer way. And that's like the title that one of the guys who's piloting this program has. It's Kyle McDaniel, and he's Yahoo's head of direct to consumer products. So I think like essentially, I guess the part that I'm kind of curious about and like don't really think is gonna work is that what are they offering here that people want exactly? It's like the biggest problem with baseball right now is that the viewership is too old and viewership numbers are declining and baseball is becoming less relevant and everything. I mean, I don't think Yahoo really cares about that. I don't think their goal here is to like fix baseball in America. I think their goal here is to make as much money as possible and to try to like change the model of content online, which is not really what they're doing here. They're sort of packaging it that way. But I think like, if people don't even really want to watch the full game, why do they want to watch batting practice? You're not going to get access in a way, in a meaningful way, so that it's interesting, right? You're just literally just going to be watching batting practice, which I've watched batting practices before. If you get to a game early, you can watch a batting practice. It's fun, but it's really for the diehards who are already going to be watching the game anyway. Like, what new person what new subscriber are you getting with this i don't know i i guess like they probably have research about all of this and have reason to believe that it will succeed it is like a little questionable with just like straight up paying the team directly to write about them i I don't even think they're really purporting to be journalists here i think they're like trying to create like a fan community is how they're framing it which sort of just sounds a lot like they're paying the team to let them take videos in places and then people will pay them to watch those videos and write on the website about how they feel while watching those videos. Like this is just Reddit except for five ninety nine a month. Right. And, and they'll have like a, like a regular columnist and like a beat reporter, but like the whole, like the whole idea of this is like, they're trying to emulate the athletics business model essentially, right? Like they basically saw what the athletic did and they were like, we want to do that too. We need to make money. So we're going to get people to pay a newspaper. Right. Well, and what I was going to say is like the, the reason that the athletic has in part worked is because you kind of know that you're going to get like, quality journalism like all the people that they've hired away and are paying like real salaries to are like genuine like top-notch journalists and we can talk all day long about like you know what those demographics look like and that's not to say that the athletics business model is perfect because it's far from that but their whole appeal is completely at the whim of like venture capitalists and yeah yes exactly and And so who yeah so who knows how long it's going to last but like at least they were like look we're going to hire away your favorite beat reporter to come write for us and you're going to pay us to do that and you're going to get access to all the other sites and to the average like tuned in sports fan like that's not a bad deal and yahoo hired away Wallace Matthews from the Daily News to be their columnist for the Mets. And no disrespect to Wallace Matthews. I'm sure he's a great columnist, but I've never heard of him. (laughs) Do you know who Wallace Matthews is? No, but I don't read the tabloids anymore. I used to. Yeah, but like to like the average fan, are you going to be like, well, I'm going to pay five bucks a month 
to hear what a tabloid columnist has to say when I could just go to the dailynews.com and read their column, like, or the New York Post or whatever. Like, it just feels... Or Newsday, better than both of those. Yeah, or Newsday, yeah. It just feels not super, yeah, thought out. I don't know. The other interesting angle of this is that, like, SNY owns the rights to Mets broadcasts, and this is, like, essentially, like, a broadcast light. You know, like they're going to broadcast everything except the games because SNY has exclusive deals to broadcast Mets games, but they don't have exclusive deals for all the other stuff, I guess. So like this just fits into that larger picture of like all of the world is content now, I think, which is to me a little bit of an alarming trend for journalism because it's easier to dilute the monetary value of everything when it's just content. Like when it's a story, you're like, oh, a journalist wrote this and an editor edited this and a site manager posted this and an SEO person wrote the headline, right? That's an understood process. Everybody made their money to do their step of that process. But when everything is just content, when there's one person taking a video and they're putting it online and then there's like a community swelling around it, suddenly that becomes worth some astronomical amount of money. Like they cite rivals which is another Yahoo website. And I imagine that they're probably going to try to build their fan community based on like the like rash of fan community websites that are out there right now. Like, you know, the SB Nation types, the the SB Nation team sites and the fan sided types, like that kind of shit. Like when they say uh, we want to build a community around this, like that's sort of how that makes me feel about it. And I just don't like how you can sort of like use that community to like generate content, generate interest in like a buzzfeedy kind of way. And then like all of that money is sort of being aggregated, but you're not really sure who drove the original content of it other than I guess the three journalists that they've hired. But I assume that they're probably just paying those three journalists like well-paid journalists, the whole like content machine that's going to churn on Queens baseball club. They're not all going to see the like revenue of that. Yeah, it, it feels like kind of a a cheap cash grab almost. Like 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 you were saying that just kind of wanting to to churn out content, like whatever you can, like throw anything at the wall, see what sticks, give fans like <coughs> access to everything and maybe they'll give you all of their money. And it's like that's not what fans want. Like fans want like quality. Like I'm not going to pay 5 bucks a month to just kind of have access to something that I may or may not be able to go to. And something tells me that like there might be other like prices like baked into that. Like really, Mm -hmm. like if I pay five bucks, I'm just going to go get to go to a Mets press conference. Like something (laughs) tells me there's, there's gotta be some fine print in there somewhere. Yeah. I guess that's the other thing here is that like the community aspect that they're talking about, this is not necessarily all online. Like they're trying to like, organize events like go to batting practice rather than just like having access to watch batting practice or whatever so like i guess that's a little bit more of an appeal but like now you're just like trying to package like weird season ticket holder perks and like pick off those perks like where you see fit um do you think there's a right way to do this if we look up in a year and we're like oh this is actually interesting what they did here i sort of like this like what does that look like I think that it starts by not paying the team for access. Uh, That feels like an obvious step one. Um, But if you don't pay the team for access, how are you getting like the events? 
I mean, like what sort of events are you, do you like what, just like access to batting practice? Yeah, sure. Or like one on, or like getting to watch New Yorker festival style Q and A's with front office executives like Brody Van Wagen in sat in a room and got interviewed by whoever the guy that you said that they hired away as a beat reporter. I forget his name. Sorry. What was it? <laughs> Wallace Matthews. Wallace Matthews. Like Brody Van Wagen sits down with Wallace Matthews and Wallace Matthews interviews him and like 40 people get to watch because they're Yahoo premium subscribers or whatever, or they're Queens baseball club subscribers. I guess my question is like, is that that wrong? And if it is that wrong, is it wrong that Yahoo's paying the Mets to do that? I would just like to see maybe like the journalism aspect of it and the fan engagement aspect of it like separated a little more because right now it seems like it's all housed under like one umbrella, right? Uh-huh. And so they they have a three-year contract with the Mets to do this whole operation. And from what it sounds like, that's going to, that includes both the journalism and both like the fan engagement site. Now, I don't know like if that contract expires, if like the journalism will get to keep going. Like if that's, if they're, I would assume so, but I don't like, it's just kind of hard to say. Um, I'd like, think- I'd like to know, I'd like to know that there is like that division though. How influenced by the Mets could the journalism end up being? Because it's Yahoo that's giving the money for the access. And like, I know you're not supposed to pay money for access to these types of things, but are they paying money for access for like these event type things? Or are they paying money for access for journalism? Like, are they, because of this, are they going to get exclusive stories that like the New York Daily News is not going to get. Like, I find that sort of hard to believe because all of the like journalistic things that they're pitching here in this article are like things that other journalists are allowed to be at, right? Like, yeah, hiring a beat reporter, you don't need to pay the Mets to have a beat reporter. You just need to just apply for a press credential. Like yeah. that's just the way that the free press works. If this turns out to be like, oh, they they're paying the Mets for like to like bring people in as access. Like sure. I am concerned about like that line being muddied and like having like Yahoo be like, uh, maybe like don't write this story because this is our partner now. And like, they're going to, they're going to be like, uh, actually we don't want to have this event anymore if you write this story. But yeah, I guess I'd just be curious to see like how siloed those two things are. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, this is at a certain point, this is all speculation at this point, right? Like, this isn't going to roll out until, what did you say, March 28th, March 23rd, something like that? 28th, uh, yeah. 28th, yeah. So we, it remains to be seen how this will look down the road. They said that it's going to unfold over the next couple of years. They don't plan on covering everything. It's just going to be like MLB and, and NBA, and they're not, they may not even cover like all 30 teams. So maybe it'll just be like big market city. I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of questions swirling right now. Clearly, uh, we have asked many of them in the last 20 minutes or whatever. Um, I want it to succeed in some regard because I want uh, journalism outlets to do well overall, uh, especially mm-hmm. sports journalism outlets. But I just I want it to be done in the most, uh, I guess, transparent of ways. And the first step is just you know clearing all of these questions up, right, and being like, what's actually what actually is your relationship service 
Yeah. Yeah. What, what do you? What do you? Service. Yeah. What is the point of this? Like, what are what are fans really getting out of this? Yeah. Are you selling me like an extended New Yorker festival? Like, is that what this is? Like, I don't. It's like not. It's weird. Yeah. It'd be like if the New Yorker festival happened at the Super Bowl, and that's what they were selling. Yeah. Yeah. It's bizarre. I'm interested to see how this works out. We've sort of gotten away from like the media critique angle of this podcast, but <laughs> yeah. um, this was like kind of right in that lane. bit of a marathon so we're going to keep the tim tebow power hour short this week you came to me and said you had something for this segment what do you got i don't know how many times tim tebow's actually been written up in the new york times maybe we should start keeping track of that but uh the new york times ran we did like a cork board with like tim tebow articles with like arrows going in each direction and like (laughs) wire and everything like homeland style Oh, you should see the inside of my room right now. My <laughs> walls are covered in Tebow paraphernalia. Jesus. Um, the New York Times ran an article by Kevin Armstrong titled, Tim Tebow takes another step with the Mets, and then in parentheses, and in, and avoids sprinklers this time. And this article is, whatever, like 500 words long or something like that. And I'm not really sure why they wrote it, if I'm being completely honest, because the premise of it is that, like, his his football life is never really far away. And it quotes him saying, I didn't play one snap of outfield. And then he catches his slip and he says, you know, I didn't play an inning of outfield or whatever. Um, mm. So, you know, really scintillating stuff over here. He still, he uh, occasionally makes Freudian slips. Well, and I think the context of this is that there's that AAF, yes, like new yeah. football league that launched. And they're, yeah, they're, they're trying they reached to like, out to him, yeah. And they're trying, they're trying to like cash in on that wave of like, will Tim Tebow maybe go back and play football? Because like, that's really what everyone wants, right? Like yeah. nobody wants Tim Tebow to be on a AAA team because you can't watch him. Like all of the like, the like Tim Tebow fan base probably just wants him to go back to fo- playing football so they can watch him on TV. I would guess we are not among those people, but I would guess that people want him to go back to playing football. Yeah, this article is sprinkled with a bunch of, I guess, anecdotes from people who went to see him at Port St. Lucie, and it's like holding up signs that uh, allude to his uh, University of Florida past or like are wearing his Florida football jersey. And it's like he has to face the his football past at every step of his baseball journey. Uh, yeah. And it talks about like Kyler Murray, and it's a very uninteresting quote about where he's like, Kyler... Just follow your heart. I'm like, oh yeah, Tim. Thank you, thank you for this, Alex. Just follow your heart. Yeah, but the the one thing of substance in here is a is a scouting report from okay. the one and the one and only Mickey Calloway, King. You want to hear what Mickey Calloway has to say about Tim Tebow? <laughs> Boy, do I! It's raw power. It's yes. real. The bat yes. moves through the zone pretty swiftly. 
Yes. He's got to continue work on handling certain zones, but he puts the barrel on the ball and it goes a long way. Wow. Tim T was playing in the majors this year. <laughs> that was kind of a glowing report on him. What you're telling me is he's Joey Gallo. I was just about to say the same thing. <laughs> he puts the fucking bat in the zone, dog. Yeah, that's like he does. The, that's like the most general, ambiguous scouting report you can give for any player. <laughs> Quote unquote, he puts the bat in the zone. Yeah, the zone is large, and the baseball doesn't always have to be in the zone. <laughs> yeah, man. He, you know, he the, when he makes contact, the bat hits the ball, and it <laughs> it, it goes places. I don't understand it. I love it though. I I, mean, I know for I just know in my heart that he's going to be a member of the Major League New York Mets this year. He actually is. Like he's <laughs> going to be a September call up. We, I, think gonna we, be I think we all know that. Stupid ass Ioannis Cespedes injury and they're going to be like they're going to talk themselves into actually needing him on the team and he's going to come up and he's going to bat like 125 with like yeah. 15 strikeouts in like 20 plate appearances. And uh, everyone's going to be like, oh, so actually this was the end point for this journey all along. <laughs> yeah. But before that, he's going to push Jeff McNeil off whatever position he's playing because the kid can't catch a break. All right, Alex, I think that's all we got for this week. Which <laughs> I sure hope so, God. because I'm yeah. tired. <laughs> this is a marathon and it involved a lot of journalism so i hope y'all were ready to do some reading and if not i hope you enjoyed the pod anyway uh as always find us on twitter at tipping underscore pitches we the twitter account is back and better than ever it's lively yeah now that machado is. signed we're I, we're turning it on we're dusting it off after spring, the has, spring has sprung. This is how you know that baseball's back is when tipping pitches start sweeping again. The Twitter account is in the best shape of its life. <laughs> <laughs> it put on 25 pounds of muscle in the offseason. It has been working on its contact rate. It's added three miles an hour on its fastball. <laughs> nice. Good reference. Um, thanks. Okay. Tune in next week. Maybe Bryce Harper will also be a San Diego Padre. I certainly hope so. Yeah. Or a, or a San Francisco Giant. Oh, yeah, I'm supposed to want that. That too. (laughs) Thanks, y'all. By signing Manny Machado, the San Diego Padres have invested $527 million in Will Myers, Eric Hosmer, and Machado, the last two of which have been signed in February. Uh real quick what's up so you know what I didn't do start recording yeah I'm recording you're dumb the Trevor Bauer voice is a revelation <laughs> I feel like I should play the curbed <laughs> the curb your enthusiasm music underneath it bum 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 I'm standing up for myself. (laughs) I'm being 